Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the Four Man Rush. Hello, Panther fans, and welcome to another podcast of the Four Man Rush. I'm your host, Timmy VO, here with three of the crew and waiting on Monty to catch up with us. We got Kevin, Larry, and Will, and we also have a special guest with us tonight um, a gentleman by the name of James, the Brit Buck. Um, he's going to represent the, the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks, of course, as we speak about the uh, Thursday night game coming up. First, of course, we're going to review uh, the Rams-Panthers game. And I, I, I know Panther fans, is, <laughs> actually, it's probably a good thing that we're recording this now and not Sunday night because, you know, we got, we have our wits about us now and we can actually analyze and be factual about uh, the information that we're going to give you guys on why we lost this game. Um, a lot of people get, blame Cam. A lot of people blame Ron. A lot of people blame the refs. We'll, we'll get into that, and you, you can judge for yourself. But I guarantee you, we're going to give you some factual information that's going to back up our our uh, ideas on that. So, first and foremost, the Rams game. <laughs> Week one loss by three. Um, a lot of people had had the Rams coming into Charlotte and, um, you know, kicking the dog shit out of us. But, you know, whatever. Um, so so um, first, we're going to go to Larry and we'll go to Kevin and then we'll go to Will. And um, we're going to try to kind of break things down by um, uh, by position, going through that aspect. So, um uh, Larry, um, give us your take on the um, offensive line, and um, I guess I guess you can go to the offense as a whole, you know, if, if you don't mind, sir. All right, I'll start off there. Um, as I've been preaching for weeks, the game starts in the trenches. It often decides whether your team will win or lose. And although we did make some mistakes on offense, like turnovers and things, ultimately the game did come down to the trenches. Um, this is the first time you really got live action with all five starters. You know, Darrow, Van Roten, Paradis, Turner, Moten, all together on the field at the same time playing live action football for four quarters. And what you will notice primarily is that there was just a lack of continuity. Um, we reviewed the film. We saw that there, there were a lot of mistakes made as far as communication goes. Uh, we missed some combo blocks. Um, communication with the backs was key because, you know, we let somebody free that the back was supposed to pick up. And that's why you saw some pressure on Cam early and often. What I did like, though, what I was kind of surprised to see is we were effective in the run game immediately. We saw I saw a push from the entire offensive line. I didn't see the entire preseason. We were actually moving guys off the ball. I mean, there were some plays where CMC wasn't getting touched. So he was five yards upfield already. So that's a big plus. I hope we carry into next week. But overall, offensively, you know, we just can't have those mistakes, you know, with missed calls, missed assignments and stuff like that. Ultimately, it was a a difference maker in the game. Indeed, indeed. Kevin, um, would you like to uh, speak about the uh, defensive line and um, um, how the defensive look for for the most? Yeah, for me, as far as the defensive, uh, defensive line goes, early on, we saw an effective – Play by defense, Ron actually pulled a wool over everybody's eyes. You know, all all season, all preseason, what we've been hearing about, 3-4 hybrid, three down linemen, four linebackers, 30 fronts. You know, this is going to be added along with our, you know, base 4-3. And during the preseason, all we ran was the 3-4 when we ran our base set and the 4-2-5 nickel for pass sets. But lo and behold, Rams come to town week one. What we put out, tried out on the field, we tried out the 40 front defense. <laughs> so, dum, dum, dum. you know, <laughs> yeah, 
you know, I kind of had a feeling that was going to happen when Bruce Irvin was ruled out for the game. Bruce Irvin, even though this is his first year, he was going to play a significant role with our 3-4 hybrid scheme, primarily because this is something he's been doing all his career, whether he was in Seattle, Los Angeles, and to a certain degree with Atlanta that one year last year. I like the fact that we showed our versatility because when we went to our base front, not all the time, but a majority of the time in our past defense set, we was using 30 fronts. We saw the 3-3-5 nickel, and we saw the 3-2-6 dime package. So, but as far as performance go, in the first half, you saw a defensive line getting pushed, saw them moving the guys out the way. If it wasn't for the turnovers in the first quarter, easily we was dominating the game in the trenches, yardage, everywhere but the score. But the defensive line definitely came to play. We saw Don Terry Poe at um gets get a little bit of push. And we also saw we saw McCoy do his thing. Short was playing lights out. I mean, he was really setting the tone. And I really like the fact that we were just able to have a strong first half, but something happened after halftime and it just faded. I don't know if it was fatigue. I don't know the fact that it was ninety-five degrees heat index on the field. But for whatever reason, second half. That defensive effort, particularly on the in, the in the trenches, just came to a halt. Now, some of that had to do with scheme, but the other part of it was the fact that the Rams went no huddle on third down, so we couldn't get our third down defense out there. And I just also contribute the fact that the defensive line rotation is a work in progress. I think it'll be straight moving forward, but I just look at this as really the preseason version of what's going on that happened Sunday with our team. We just had to get the rust out, and it cost us. It sure did. It sure did. Uh, Will, um, how was Cam looking to you? And, uh, man, that, that film you did on CMC, boy. <laughs> people people got a firsthand view of, of, of what that breakdown was going to bring up, man. Well, yeah, I mean, as far as running backs go, I mean, if you need me to tell you that Christian McCaffrey had a good football game on Sunday, you might have been, you know, church Maybe they not got out of church till like three, four o'clock and had a You're chance smoking to that stuff. watch the game or done anything there. So I don't think, you know, we need her, me to tell you that Christian McCaffrey is that guy. As far as uh Cam, there was obvious there was some obvious rust. I saw some good things. You know, I think he was very um efficient in the first half. The second half he let some throws get away from him, but you know, I'm not worried about it in week one yet. You know, he just needs to get more practice and reps under his belt. You know, watching the game live, you're frustrated. You know, bad cam, I hate you. Play some, put him in, you know. But two, three days, you get over it, you know. I mean, he's he'll be fine. You know, overall, I thought he had a decent game. You know, he could still completing 65% of his passes, mm-hmm. making good decisions. Um, a lot of people are asking why we aren't throwing the ball deep. Uh, when you watch the film, the Rams were playing a lot of three-shell, you know, cover three, quarters mm-hmm. coverage. So just the route concepts that Norv Turner was calling weren't asking for Cam to throw the ball deep. So I don't think it's a matter of panic yet that, you know, his shoulder still hurts. He can't throw the ball deep. Just be patient, you know, once we see a team that'll challenge our receivers more and give us those opportunities, we'll take our shots. Indeed. Remember, fans, we got to be patient. I mean, that's that's, that's the name of the game. Unless you're out there on the field and you see what's actually going on in that coverage scheme, you can't just go out there and Cam, Cam, you know, he spoke on that during his presser after the game, um, and again this afternoon actually. You can't just chuck the ball down the field just because you know there's a receiver running down the field. I mean, you got to actually you know take care of the football. Uh, I know, I, even though he did throw an interception, like like Will said, he you know he completed sixty sixty five percent of his, uh, his his passes for Cam. That's decent, come, considering. Limited preseason action, surgery um, off season, you know things of that nature. So just just be patient, folks. It'll be just fine. And one thing, I'm sorry, Tim. No, but one thing good. I was just want to also mention to fans. I think a lot of fans, and I mentioned to this to you guys in the chat earlier. We get caught up in the highlight syndrome. We're seeing on ESPN. We're seeing on NFL Network. They're seeing other teams who are getting huge chunk plays through the air. Like, I don't know what what Baltimore just obliterated. Oh my God! 
It said Miami Dolphins. I wonder was that Florida Atlantic that was on the field because that was just that was FAU. <laughs> that Man, was FAU. That... You ain't gonna tell me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that that was brutal. So I get from a fan aspect, you get kind of envious seeing that. But at the end of the day, our team is built around a lot of skilled players that are built to get yak. Mm. So what that means is taking five to seven yard slant routes, curl routes, dig routes, posts, and converting them into first downs. Don't get me wrong, I, I like to highlight plays like anybody else, but they'll come when the opportunity presents itself. Because if we did the opposite and Cam was forcing it like he used to do once upon a time during the Kevin Benjamin days, mm. downfield and having two, three interceptions, oh, why he ain't throw it to the man? He was wide open in the flat. Blah, 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 blah. Exactly. Now Cam's throwing it to the flat. Oh, that's all. That's all. That's why his completion so high. He only throw it to McCaffrey. And it's just, oh, man, it's, it's Cam is damn if you do damn. Uh, excuse me, let me correct. Cam if you do and Cam if you don't. <laughs> That's pretty much the best way to look at it. Well you know, well it's just, the man can't do no right in some people's eyes on on, on, on any aspect of us. And, and us as fans, we get that. But overall, I just think the fact that when you look at Moore, Samuel, even Jarris Wright to a degree, you're looking at versatile players that can do multitude of things. Mm. I know see, I see some fans clamoring, I miss having the big, tall receiver that can just go up and win jump balls. Well, I mean, we tried that for a few years with uh, Benjamin and Funches, and, you know, where did that get us? I'm not saying that that's not a benefit. Anything. I, I, I just think that Cam just needs to see guys with separation to really thread that ball on the needle more than – trusting that the guy's going to win it. That's just my perception. I mean, you y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, our current set of skilled players is built more for yak than tech mobile bombs, but that's just me. I, as long as we're moving the chains and, and converting third downs and scoring in the red zone, I don't care how it's done. It, I, I, I don't. The big plays are nice, but I, I don't need to see a bunch of them to feel like our offense is really effective. Mm. I think what you got to oh, – go ahead. Go ahead, Will. I think what we just got to realize is that ultimately it's week one. I mean, we don't know what North has in store. Is he going to show a lot of short, quick passes and a power run game early in the season to get linebackers and safeties to creep up to open up that vertical pass game later in the year? I mean, he's got, I'm sure he's got a lot more in store than what we saw week one against the Rams. And plus, I mean, we're playing against Wade Phillips, you know, Aaron Donald and those guys, you don't want to be holding the ball on five, seven-step drops with that guy coming after you. So, I mean, I just think it was part of the game plan that this particular defense we wanted to attack with the short game. I don't think that's going to be the case every week. Yeah, you pretty much just added, you just pretty much said my point, Will. You got to look at the game plan going into the game and look at the personnel you're facing. When you look at the combination of Fowler, Matthews, Donald, they're not the strongest guys, but one thing that they are is very quick. So you're not going to have a ton of time to sit back and let routes develop, especially deep routes. So I think the game plan was just to, you know, drop back and get the ball out as quick as you can. And it was effective for the most part. It just came down to us making a couple of mistakes that we ended up paying for. But that was what I was going to touch on, the fact that when you're facing a front like that, you're not going to have a ton of time to take deep bombs down the field all day long. So. I like the game plan that we came with, came up with. And, you know, when we face other opponents, I'm more than sure that we're going to take those opportunities, you know, take some shots down, take some shots deep down the field. I mean, of course you want to spread the defense out and things like that. But, again, just look at the game plan. Look at the opponent we face every week, and then that's how you decide. That's how you try to figure out what Sam is thinking and what Norv is thinking. Yeah, plus when you look at the Rams' defense, what's their stretch? The front four and their corners, I know, Keep Tlaib and Marcus Peters. So, you know, you're going to be able to – where are you going to attack their weaknesses? Before the game, you know, I said their linebackers looked like a weakness. So I expected McCaffrey and Olsen to get their share of the workload towards the middle of the field. But unfortunately for us, uh, Corey Littleton said bring it on. And he just had one of the most outstanding games I've seen from a linebacker. You know, he was arguably the best player on the field on Sunday. So, you know, the Rams are out there getting paid, trying to win, too. And I think credit, you got to give credit where credit's due. I mean, that was an all-world performance by 
Littleton, you know, punching the ball loose from DJ Moore, forcing the fumble, baiting mm-hmm. Cam into that interception late in the game, you know, mm-hmm. covering Greg Olson. I think we only completed four out of nine targets to yeah. Greg that game. So yeah. I think you have to give, you know, him credit too for being up to that challenge, knowing that the Panthers were going to attack him. Ladies yeah, because he had like four. I'm sorry, I was just saying that he had like 14 tackles, Will. I mean, the guy was all over the place. You know, 14 tackles, eight of them solo. I mean, he just literally filled up the defensive stat sheet. So, like you said, they, they make plays too. He did. Hey, uh, Monty, what's up, man? What's going on, brother? What's going on, fellas? Ladies and gentlemen, Monty. What's going on? Eddie Murphy, what's up, bro? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, fellas? What's going on, man? Hey, so we're talking about the Rams game right now. We touched on the defense slightly. Um, what did you see in the secondary, though? Um, did, did you like what you saw in the secondary for the most part? Yeah, for the most part, um, I was very I, I was very pleased with, with what we saw from the secondary. Um, if I had to, of course, I mean, I, I believe there, there's it's been no secret. I've been the biggest James Bradbury fan since we drafted him. So uh, I was very pleased, you know, for, for James Bradbury to, to finally look like he, he's made that next step. He balled out, bro. He balled out. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He he, he definitely. If we get more games like this and more production like what we saw on Sunday, he would definitely be be making the the Pro Bowl sometime soon, and and I mean this year soon. But uh, yeah, I, I was very pleased with what I saw from from both John, Dante and James Bradbury. Uh, I like what we saw with Eric Reed as well. You know, I, um, I, there were there were a few angles that. Uh, Trey Boston took, in, I guess, in coverage, like for for, uh, for tackles that I wasn't real pleased with, yeah. you know, and the, which resulted in him missing tackles or, or just just taking again a bad angle. But for the most part, you know, I, I thought the secondary played very well. Uh, is it, it's just putting a full four quarters together that that's just my my biggest problem, you know, and, and that's not just with the secondary. I think that was just the defense as a whole, you know, it's just putting the full four quarters together full four quarters of dominant defense and dominant ball mm. together. That That's that's kind of where I feel like we kind of fell short. But again, I, I like Will and what Lawrence says, I mean, you have to give credit where it's due. We played the, the defending NFC champs, and, you know, it's with that being said, you know, I, I think the, the 30 points looks a lot worse than, than what, and how the actual game played out. Mm. Because, you know, I think we did a very good job for a majority of the game of, of one, keeping them out the end zone, and, and you know, and then Let's, I mean, let's be real, guys. We were a couple bad, you know, bad bounces for, uh, away from causing three forced fumbles. That's true. So, you know, and I think I think that's something that we have to all look at and say, you know, well, we we did a good job of trying to get the ball out. You know, we just have to do do a little better job of trying to secure it. But yeah, I'm not, I'm I'm boy, I was very pleased with the second. Yeah, it's just it's really unfortunate that we had those fumbles, you know, and we just couldn't recover them. Man, we there was a guy right there. Each and every time, almost, and we just we just couldn't get it together, and that's and that's 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 part of the game, fellas. You know, it is what it is. But Bradbury showed out. Um, I, I was happy with Trey. It seemed like he was as soon as that ball was completed to a receiver, he was somewhere in the screen. You know, he, he was flying around out there. I was I was really really happy to see that. Um, the biggest thing for me overall, even though we did lose that game. On a short week, we didn't have any major injuries, and that's that's going to be critical. And um, speaking of which, uh, we have a gentleman here representing the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks by the name of James the Brit Buck, and um, he's going to uh, join us this afternoon. Um, James, we want to say hello. Hi guys, how are you doing? Oh, doing great, man. Um, it's, it's great for you to uh, to join us. Um, I know you're part of that, but the uh, the Buck Life um, Forum. Yeah, we'll speak more on that. <laughs> yeah. Um... Obviously, I, I do a lot of work over at Books Life News. It's it's great giving sort of people like me the opportunity to come on. Obviously, I realise we are rival fans, um, but you know what? I'm not going to lie. I, I've listened to a lot of what you guys do, and I'm a big fan of of the show. I like the, the fact that you guys clearly know what you are talking about with football. So it's it's great to come on and, and talk football. Even if you are rivals, <laughs> I appreciate that, man. We all do, man. Um, it's, it's, uh, I believe your your buddy Aaron and uh, Kevin met up at uh, the uh, uh, Wofford camp, I believe, and uh, was, was was jacking it up. So that's how you got on here. So go ahead and tell the uh, Panther fans a little bit about yourself, bro. Yeah. Um, well, as I say, I work over at Books Life News, and we do a lot of what you do here from from the Panthers' point of view. We we present honest and unbiased news. 
we tell it how it is, the good and the bad. And at the moment with the Buccaneers, there's a lot to be excited about and there's a lot to be upset with. I, I first started following the books in the 95-96 the season. Mm. Trust me, living in the United Kingdom, <clears throat> pardon me, sir, you can probably tell from the accent that I'm not local. <laughs> so living in the United Kingdom in the mid-90s, trying to follow American football, you really had to be dedicated because, as I said to you guys before uh, the show, there was one channel that had a highlight show on once a week at two o'clock in the morning. So it was VCR to the ready and recording. It was hard before the internet, man. It was hard. But um, with the advent of the internet came a lot more connectivity. And I think sort of a lot of people ask how I became a a fan of of the Buccaneers. And I was chatting with with Kevin earlier, and one of the things I said was I I completely fell in love with the story of the books and the constant underdog. So, I mean, when I started supporting in 95, 96, things things weren't great, but I was able to sort of see the upturn. I was able to see the glory years, and now I'm witnessing the, the down and hopefully the up. But I live <laughs> just outside of Niagara Falls now, so that time difference is a godsend. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're, you're, you're on Eastern Standard Time, so you're right with us, huh? Oh yeah, <laughs> good deal. Good deal. So obviously we have the uh, the Panthers and the Bucks coming up. Um, so I, I think we're going to touch on our offense, touch on the defense. Um, I, we didn't mention the special teams from last game, even though they shined. Um, so um, so Kev, we'll start with you and Larry. Um, you guys talk about the trenches. Um, what 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 you what you expect to happen and uh, how we're going to. How we're gonna um, hold it down, and um, and James, you can come in after that and give your piece on the Buck and their in their front. I would prefer to Larry to start off with the offense line. He's the guru, right. so I'm gonna feed off off his energy and we'll go from there. Go ahead, handle that, bro. Yeah, I'll start off by saying that a lot of people don't know, but similarly similarly to us, the Buck changed to more of a hybrid scheme where they've got a and Donovan Sue playing a traditional nose now. They've got Devontae David on the inside, and they have uh, two defensive ends and stuff like that. So, honestly, we shouldn't have any problems because we've been practicing that, practicing against that all summer long, practicing that against that all week. So, it shouldn't be anything that's foreign to us. So, I expect us to produce. We've shown in the past that we have the ability to keep Sue in check, so that shouldn't change much. I expect the same thing from, from last week. I want to get pushed. I think we got to establish the run early so we can give fans what they want as far as those deep balls because in order for you to have an effective pass game, you got to be able to establish the run. Also, we're trying to build continuity with our offensive line, so all five guys need to build some confidence. And the best way to build an offensive lineman's confidence is help him in the run game. Let him start out aggressive. Then we'll open up that pass game for everybody to see. So, like I said, it's going to start in the trenches. we got to win it in the trenches. And it starts by establishing the run. That's how I view it this week. Well, when we get on the other side of the trenches, looking at the defensive line point of view, the question got to be is, you know, how hybrid are we going to be this week? You know, coming in, you know, looking at a Bucks offense that obviously has the Bruce Arians feel to it. We, we're going to – I have a good idea that we're going to see a good variety of – Mixed fronts. I don't think it'll be primarily four three like we saw against the Rams, but it wouldn't surprise me if we did it. So I'm definitely expecting to see a mixed front, but on either end, if Fiata didn't pay attention to when we're in our forty front, we had Short and McCoy as the defensive tackles, and we had Addison and FA Obata as the four three defensive ends. I like that group. I do feel like that the Bucks run game is something that we have to neutralize early and force Jameis Winston to be one-dimensional. So I do expect to see the defensive line to be engaging, to be disruptive in the blocking lanes and moving Winston off his spot. Now, when we switch it up to a 30 front for whatever formation that Rivera feel like it matches up best with, I like I like seeing Dante Poe against the center for the Bucks. I think that's a matchup that if he establishes himself in the tone early, that he can really set the trend for that inside pressure. And, you know, with all due respect to our 
to our guests here, we all seen that, you know, you get pressure on Winston early and often. He stays rattled pretty much throughout the game. So I think Don Terry Poe, when we're in the 30 front, can really establish the tone for the game by bringing it like we think, like we know and seen he's capable of doing. He had a fairly decent game against the Rams, had a couple of plays that I wish he would have had back. But overall, he played a solid game. Didn't see him really get blown off the ball. Saw him get some pressure. So I'm knock off a few blockers on some running plays, but we're going to need to see all that and then some that we're going to disrupt the Tampa Bay offense this coming week. Yeah. I just had a couple of things to add real quick. Actually, Sue will be at the 3-4 end, and they've been showing a lot of Vita Vea. I don't know if you guys remember that name, but he was actually on our scouting board. He'll be playing that no position, so we've got a pretty formidable front we'll be facing. Also, just to add on the defensive end, just like just like Kev said, you got to get Winston rattled. So one thing that I do want to see different than what we saw last week, I want to see some exotic blitzes. I want to see us get some immediate pressure. I do trust our, our 30 and 40 front to put pressure on just three or four guys, but I want to get there a little bit faster. I want to add some pressure, add some heat to Winston, because you know when you do that, he tends to make a lot of mistakes. We want to see some turnovers in the secondary. So it all start up front, just like we all agreed on. But I just want to see us get a little bit more aggressive than we were last week. All right, James. So how how does the uh, Bucks um, come into this game in their front? Well, I mean, there are several keys to the game that the the Bucks are going to be focused on. Um, defense. I'll start defensively. You know, I am a Bucks fan. I love defensive football. Um, and as obviously the guys there, they've correctly pointed out, we are now, we've, well, we have transitioned. We're getting the hang of a 34 defense <clears throat> with Sue as a right defensive end, Vita Vea, um, as, as mentioned earlier, being the nose tackle and goals have been a left defensive end. This is very much a transitional. It's a very aggressive uh, defense and, <clears throat> they are going to be looking to get Cam Newton. And I know this was obviously, Kevin definitely mentioned, Larry mentioned it, is, is Winston is going to make mistakes when he's rattled. The same can be said for Cam Newton. You need to get him uncomfortable. He's clearly, I, I was watching the game uh, against the Rams. He's clearly not as mobile as what he once was. And I think that does slightly nullify the threat. So I think the Bucks defense is going to be incredibly aggressive from the outset. But they have to be wary of the Carolina Panthers' X factor, and that is Christian McCaffrey. He's he's a really talented guy, and I, I honestly I believe he is going to be one of those rare players that gets a thousand yards in the air, a thousand yards on the ground. He seems to have everything. He's got power. He's got elusiveness. He's got very, very fluid hips. He can make tacklers miss. He can. He's got the strength to get out of arm tackles and even through some wrap-up tackles. So the defense is definitely going to have to be focused a lot on on Christian McCaffrey, nullify the running game, and very much I, I suppose what the defensive plan for the Panthers is going to be. This is going to be a game of what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. These are very, very similar teams coming into the Thursday night game. And I think we're going to see a lot of things maybe cancelling each other out during the game on Thursday night. I think it will be a really, really good battle. Now, when you look at offensively and and this is going to be the key point. Dontari Poe is going to be going up against Ryan Jensen. Ryan Jensen's very much a, a road grader of an offensive lineman at centre. And next to him is currently the number one ranked guard in the NFL, and that is Ali Marpet. And he's going to be lining up over our former defensive tackle, Gerald McCoy. Now, McCoy is a great player. And a bit of breaking news, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this, but Daryl McCoy actually today has announced that he is going to be agreeing a one-day contract with the Buccaneers in order to retire as a Tampa Bay Buccaneers player. So a lot of fans who were very sore at McCoy for 
leaving and going to the Carolina Panthers, it's a lot of what I call ex-girlfriend syndrome. You know what? You try to pretend that you don't care, but if you truly didn't care, then you wouldn't have anything to say. Gerald is missed in Tampa, not only as a player, but also as a person who gave a lot to his community. Mm. He is a good guy, and he is a great player. Is he the player he once was? Obviously not. We're talking 10 years down the line. He's He is aging, but he's still a great player. He's got one of the fastest get-offs in football. So, still. Ali Marpet <laughs> and Gerald McCoy, they're going to be really, really testing each other. And it's a good job that they're actually both really nice guys because that is a battle that could really turn nasty. But that's going to be the key, really, of this game. And it is going to be who wins that battle between the Bucks' offensive line and the Panthers' defensive line. Make no mistake, the Buccaneers have got offensive weapons. They do. They have been ranked in the top five and the top three. Um, for passing in the NFL last year. Mm. They had one of the most explosive games. And all this without any help from the running game at all. For the simple reason, if the Bucks win this game on Thursday night, it will be in spite of their offensive line, not because of it. I had a couple of questions for you, James, if you don't mind. Yeah. Absolutely. One, one matchup that I was paying close attention to as far as our interior defensive line I'm looking to attack Alex Kappa. I know you guys drafted him out of Humboldt State a couple of a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, how's he progressed? Is you, do you do you think that's something that we probably will attack, or do you think he's been progressing well where he can actually hold his own? Second thing I wanted to notice, I wanted you to uh, touch on is uh, defensive coordinator Todd Bowles. Are you guys running the scheme kind of similar to how he was doing in Arizona with with uh with Arians? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll come to the, the the first one there. And yes, Alex Kappa is probably going to be targeted and you are going to look at overload blitzes being thrown at Kappa. He, can, he does seem to cope very, very well with strength against strength. Alex Kappa is a really, really strong guy. I mean, we saw in the preseason, we saw at the end of last season, he is capable of just picking up a defensive tackle or a defensive end and just tossing them aside. He's really, really strong. He's a very, very, very violent offensive guard. He was brought in as a tackle. He was moved inside. He is still getting to grips with that. So he is making occasional rookie mistakes. And as as I suggested there with when he has more than one guy coming at him, he's not quite sure who he should take or how he should approach the situation. So when the Panthers are running their 34 defense, for you guys, I would say watch for safety blitzes in combination with stunts because that is the way that you will exploit the weakness of the Buccaneers' offensive line, and it's definitely on that right side. Now, as regards to the defense that Todd Bowles is running, he's he has said that it will be similar to, in scheme, to the one that he ran in Arizona. However, the personnel is completely different. He's He's gone as far as to say he has a lot more athletic playmakers than he did. So the Buccaneers' defense right now, yes, it is a 34 hybrid, but it is based more on speed and athleticism than big guys clogging up holes. Mm, indeed. And um, speaking of the, uh, the speed in the secondary and whatnot, this could, that should be a decent matchup. Um, I know last year, you know, that, that first game was, was even even though we put up points fast, the Buccaneers made a hell of a comeback in that second half against us at uh, that first game. And, of course, we know what happened in the second game. We took an L. So, um, uh, Will, uh, Monty, how are you guys seeing um, our secondary matching up with their receivers and vice versa in that in that, in that manner? I, I actually believe that we, we have a lot of favorable matchups. I, I I solely think it will it boils down to how we win at the line of scrimmage and vice versa. You know how how our guys handle man and press coverage versus 
their versus their secondary versus their coverage and vice versa. You know, and just just what James said, I think James made a very very great point that these are very similar teams down to the scheme and how they like to run their offense and defense comparative to ours. You know, I, different playmakers, different names, but a lot of similar a lot of similarities on 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 both sides of the ball. So with that being said, I. If if I had to look at a position group or, or a certain player that I'm looking to, to, to capitalize on, I am personally looking at what DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, how they handle press coverage and how they handle men and vice versa, how James Bradbury and Dante Jackson counteracts or, or how, how they handle handling the, the duo that Tampa has in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You know, I, I think one, one major piece that a lot of fans either just don't know about or, or we forget about is Chris Godwin and his growth from year one to now year three. He's become a very formidable receiver. And in my opinion, I believe he's he he's somewhat become a, 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 a very number a very good number two receiver and let Mike Evans have a have a bad game. He is the guy that you know that they're that they're going to feature their offense through. So I you know and I I think that we match up very well with them as well. But you know I, I think they do have some very talented receivers. Um, I like what they I, you know I like what they've done uh, with their with their rushing attack. You know I think they they've tried to, they definitely try adding talent. At the running back position, um, so I mean, I, I think it's I think it's definitely going to be a, a good battle. I I personally do think that we match up with them a little bit better than they than vice versa. But I also, you know, with, with these division games, fellas, you know, it's you can never really bank on anything. You know, even even in the years where our division as a whole wasn't very competitive, you know, even the year where we won the division at seven eight and one. Our division didn't look great, but the games always came down to the wire, you know. So I feel like you can't really bank on anything with these division games, you know. We we know we know a lot about each other on both sides, you know. So I think this is going definitely going to be an interesting game to uh, come Thursday. Yeah, I mean, well, from what I saw from uh, Tampa's game against uh, San Francisco, you know, minus Jameis Winston's goofy interceptions. <laughs> I mean, he was Jameis being Jameis. You know, one week he looks like a. Looks like he's worth that extension. And next week, it's like, what is he doing? Mm. Oh, they really got uh, Ronald Jones, second-year running back out of USC. They got him established. He wasn't um, involved a lot last year. I guess he came along slower than they had hoped. He's a uh, um, he's fast. You know, he's got good um, top-end speed. And it looks like they're um, featuring him a lot more this year. So if you can add a run game to go along with the um, matchup weapons they always have had, I mean, I think. Their offense has potential, so I'm not going to take that San Francisco game and expect that again this week. O.J. Howard, I mean, nobody's mentioned him. I mean, that's Man. a nightmare guy to match up with. Beast. I mean, I mean is, we're going to use Shaq or Eric Reed to try to stick him. You know, we're going to play zone coverage to try to contain him. So, I, you know, I don't, you know, if matchups dictate that we play press, maybe we use some hybrid coverages. I know we like to. Bradbury and Mike Evans, we like to have Bradbury shadow him, so it'll be interesting how we scheme against those mismatched weapons they got on offense. On the defensive side of the ball, you know, one of my favorite draft prospects, this draft actually, and I'm surprised Larry didn't mention him, was Devin White. You know, great sideline to sideline speed, you know, good, you know, can fill gaps, strong downhill player. So, you know, that rookie linebacker they got, I think, has a very high ceiling and maybe can eventually develop into be their Luke Keekley one day. The secondary, you know, you know, they're kind of banged up a little bit. I think they just put a safety on IR. I mean, Vernon Hargraves, he's had trouble staying healthy. But I, um, he had a he made some plays in this last game, so we might have some opportunities to attack them on the back end. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's two teams looking for their first win. Thursday night football is always sloppy. We'll see what happens. Hey, well, I didn't mention Devin White because I'm jealous, okay? <laughs> I'm extremely jealous. They got an outstanding football in him, a football player in him. Another guy that they also have is I don't know if you know, but we we scouted Carlton Davis a lot, you know, during the pre uh, during the pre draft process. I'm hoping to see you know maybe Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore can take advantage of that matchup. I mean, there's, there's some really interesting points. I mean, one of the things I would say is I'd counteract and say. Actually, the team is 
and I'm hoping I'm not cursing myself here, it's a lot of guys are coming off illness. They've not been feeling great. There has been a flu bug uh, going around the facility, and I believe that was one of the reasons which led to the abject default. Like, I, I can't even think of suitable for work and suitable for the airwaves adjectives to describe the, the way that they played. It wasn't a typical performance that we saw from the team. A lot of people are thinking that maybe they were ill and weren't kind of letting on. Uh, Blaine Gabbert is is injured with a, a broken collarbone. He's He was slated to be the backup quarterback. Uh, Justin Evans, the, the safety that was, was mentioned before, yes, he's gone to injured reserve, but that guy's been on injured reserve since he was drafted two years ago. He's one of those guys who's just kind of collecting a paycheck at the moment. Really, really talented. And funnily enough, he was drafted in the second round, as was Roberto Aguayo, as was Noah Spence. And I could go on. A lot of players that the Bucks drafted in the second round don't pan out. But one one interesting thing, and saying about how the teams match up, there is one crucial difference between the Panthers and the Buccaneers, and that is in their offensive philosophy. The Panthers are very much a run-orientated team, and they have one of the best backs in definitely in the NFC South, and arguably in the NFL in Christian McCaffrey. The Buccaneers are a or a pass first team. And they look to take advantage of the playmakers that they've got in Mike Evans, in Chris Godwin has been mentioned, in OJ Howard. Obviously as well we've got Bobo Wilson who's got great speed, Brashad Perryman, fantastic speed. But considering we have a pass-first mentality, we have a seriously, seriously erratic quarterback in Jameis Winston. And as was touched on there, you never know which Jameis you're going to get. Hmm. Man, this sounds like uh, it's going to be a, a chess match, potentially. Um, that that secondary for the Bucks, I, I, I'm a little worried about that because you know, Curtis Samuel is... He looks pretty clean, even though he didn't get a lot of a lot of touches. He looks pretty clean out there, um, so it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, but I, I totally agree with you, James. And uh, I'm, I might get a little heat from the Panther fans about this, but you know, when when Cam when Cam first got in the league and people threw a heat at him, you know, he just he just took off and it was no big problem. Now he's been taught to stay in the pocket, deliver the football, and, and he's trying to do that a lot more. So that that pressure will it, it will fluster him a little bit. Um, we do have McCaffrey, which which is a hell of a uh, release valve. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's, I, as you say, it's like when Cam first came into the league, he was he was a complete anomaly. He was a guy with fantastic arm strength. He could. He had the arm strength to make every throw in the playbook. He had above average. It, it wasn't elite accuracy. He wasn't Drew Brees. He wasn't Tom Brady. Mm. But he was really, really accurate. He and he had the confidence in his ability to make those throws. But what really killed you is at times you you had to pick your poison when you were playing the Panthers. Mm. Were you going to let Cam beat you with his legs? Or was he going to beat you with his arm? Mm. Now he's getting on a bit. Injuries have taken their toll. And he he isn't, as, as I said earlier, and I'll stand by this, he's, certainly he can still run the football, but he isn't as comfortable doing that as he once was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's, 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 a legit, that's a legit point, you know, especially he's been under the knife two off-seasons in a row. Um, hell, mm-hmm. his, his season was cut short last year, you know, so, I mean... It, I, I if, as an as an athlete, I know I would you know there'd be times where if you feel in that injury or you know there's something wrong that you're not gonna do certain things the way you used to. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, I'm sure Cam feels that way, um, but you know his his arm does look a little better. I, I have to say his, his throw motion is a little better, so we'll, we'll 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 see. But he had a hard time with that that Bucks defense the last game we played you guys. So, mm-hmm. we'll and as I say, I think it's it's because the team is. They do match up very, very well. And 
I don't understand this, that the Bucks-Panthers rivalry is one of the forgotten rivalries, it seems, in, in the mm. NFC South. Mm. And I think, you know, and I'm coming at this from a Tampa Bay perspective, it's great when you play the Falcons, especially when you beat them, because it's... <laughs> hey, they're right, Larry. It's, it, <laughs> it's, 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 just, it's just great watching them all crying on the sideline and <laughs> looking for somebody to blame. And you know what? It's The, the Germans have a word for it, uh, Schadenfreude, mm. um, which means shameful glee. Mm. And it, it really is. And, and I enjoy watching... The Falcons getting beaten, and you know what? Playing the Saints, it's it's a rivalry game, and I enjoy beating them. But there have been some really, really good games between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints uh, over the years. There have been some really, really good ones, mm-hmm. but mostly they're not great games. Yet whenever the Bucks and the Panthers play each other. Mm. It is a fantastic game. I mean, you watch now because it's nationally te- televised. Yeah. This game will be a special teams battle. Mm. But if if I had to pick any two teams to play on national television and, you know, what show what football is all about, it would always be a Buccaneers-Panthers game because these teams, just they match up so well. They have enough differences that it doesn't look like the same team just practicing against this defense, mm-hmm. but they match up in so many areas and you can see the players want it. It's a battle out there. The cornerbacks are going to be pressed up against the receivers. They're going to be fighting. The trenches are going to be fighting out. It's going to be trench warfare. And for the football purists who love the game of football, it is Unless it's an error-strewn debacle of a game, <laughs> this is going to be a fantastic game to watch. And as I said, it's, I said this before the show, and I know I'm going to get a lot of stick from, like, obviously the guys over at Books Life News, Uh-oh. from all my Buccaneers supporters. Uh-oh. But um, you know what? My heart is saying that we win this game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers go into Charlotte and they make up for that horrible performance against the 49ers. The defense clicks. It's swarming. It's aggressive. Caffrey can't get out the backfield. Newton can't complete a pass. It finally clicks for Jameis Winston and he remembers how to find an open receiver. He realizes that he doesn't play for the Carolina Panthers, so he stops throwing to the blue jerseys. (laughs) And the Buccaneers come away with a win. My head, on the other hand, says, you know what? We're still going through the process. This is a young team. They're learning a new scheme and a new system. I think they're going to make a great account of themselves. It's going to be a great game of football. Ultimately, though, I think the Buccaneers do lose this game. And I think your Carolina Panthers do come out with a win. Not by much, but it'll still be that W. Interesting. Hey, as long as you're being honest, man, you know, we, we all catch flack for being honest because we, you know, if you heard our podcast, we dropped a bomb on our Panthers when it when it's due. <laughs> so, so no doubt, no doubt. You going to say something, Kevin? Yeah, I wanted to mention while we was discussing, you know, it being a short week, a lot of times, you know, the injury report can be a factor on a short week particularly. And I was just overlooking hours, something that's definitely going to be a factor, something to watch out for. Uh, Greg Olson, sore back. Uh, He took a hard shot during the game. He didn't practice yesterday or today. He said he's going to be okay. Here's my thing, and I'm a Greg Olson fan, so I'm saying this kind of begrudgingly, but him getting 94 snaps, coming back was way too many for my comfort level and and, and don't don't get me wrong I, I want I wouldn't have big numbers because I got them on my fantasy team but <laughs> <laughs> it's all about but, the fantasy indeed, indeed. <laughs> but from a from, from a longevity point of view we got two young two young lions back there ready to just or two panthers I read I should say that's just ready to you know, enjoy some of them tight end reps that I think that Olsen needs to be sharing. 
No, Ian Thomas was only on the field for five plays. Mm. Manhurts got about 13 snaps. And honestly, with it being a short week and with us having a quote mini buy after this, because we don't play again until the 22nd, I wouldn't be too mar- I wouldn't be too mad if, if Olsen sat this one out just to just to leave, just to make sure that back is a okay because I'm just reading his comments from today when asked about his back and it said uh, Gregor said my back just got jacked up a little bit but I'll be all right. Big picture is not a big deal. Short week obviously isn't ideal but we'll make it work. And that statement right there. It isn't ideal, but we'll make it work. Mm-hmm. Greg, look, you under contract. You're going to get your money. Personally, I wouldn't mind him sitting this one out and get that extra 10 days after it to, and then and then just come back with a full, healthy back. We don't need nothing else in your body <laughs> to be ailing, you know, moving forward. Also, Bruce Irvin was held out of practice with the hamstring. I think he's not going to play. Uh, Rashawn Galden. He got a groin injury, so it's gonna be some some tinkering with the with the lineup. I feel like here as well, and don't panic. Christian McCaffrey's name was on the injury report, but Rivera said simply as a rest day. So if y'all see Chris McCaffrey, don't worry, Panther fans. It's a rest day. There's nothing wrong with McCaffrey. Didn't drink water from the water bowl in the field. Sunday, I noticed that every time he was off of water. Now nah, I'm, good. I'm like, wow. You know, I feel like it should be sharing Gatorade in the background. Gatorade. <laughs> yeah, right. Water, water sucks. It really, it really, really sucks. sucks. <laughs> where, are you, where are you getting those quotes from? I'm sorry, say that again. You never seen the water boy? No, the, uh, no, the quotes on the players' the, uh, comments. I just wanted to know uh, where are we getting those quotes from. Yeah, Kevin. Oh, yeah. I'm reading it from straight from the uh, Panthers website, uh, Panthers.com. It just says. Uh, the Tuesday injury report, and it's just got Greg Olson, Bruce Irvin, Rashawn Galden, and Christian McCaffrey on it. And they even got the uh, Bucks injury report on here as well. Obviously, it would have been a short week. Uh, Blaine Gabbard, O.J. Howard, Ronald Jones II, Raheem Nunez, hyphen, Roche, Richards. Richards, excuse me. Thank you. Glad you're here. Uh <laughs> Devin White and Bobo Wilson. So these are all the people that were on the Bucks quote unquote um, injury list. But all of them except Blaine Gabbard participated Tuesday. Uh, OJ Howard says ankle. Jones the second a toe. Uh, Raheem finger. Devin White illness. So I don't see any reason why none of these guys won't play Thursday night. But just to let you know what the uh, Report was like, oh, yeah, Greg Little. He's just needs the third-party neurologist to check him out. He's been back practicing. He just got to get cleared by that last one, and he'll be back on the team for us. So our second-round draft pick looks like he's about to join us probably when we come back after this game. That's what I would say. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you say about Ronald Jones with a toe injury. Um, I mean, we, we've had all sorts of crazy injuries. I mean, like so, some have been reporting like various injuries as as turf toe, so it's it's become a little bit of an inside joke with us over at Books Life News that whenever someone goes down with an injury, it's like is it turf toe? And then sure enough, Ronald Jones actually injures his toe, and we're just like, oh, will the football gods ever be kind to us? Hmm. Wow, man. Oh well, I can't wait to Thursday. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, it's it is. It's going to be a really good game. Uh, I I can't wait to see it. It's and do you know what? I said this before the show. I'm going to say it again. I think the team that wins this is the team that makes the least mistakes. And yeah, I know with Winston as the quarterback, and it's it's terrible sort of saying this, but I I will say it how I see it. At the moment, a lot of books fans we know that Winston has the ability to be that franchise quarterback. But a lot of fans, we just don't trust him at the moment with the ball in his hands. Mm. Now who's, who is your backup? Uh, a, a player called Ryan Griffin, who has ne- who's been on the team now for four years. Wow. And has never taken an NFL snap. Oh, boy. 
he he's a preseason warrior, and you know what? If you are so inclined, by all means, go back and check some of the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers preseason games because that's the only place that you're going to see Ryan Griffin in action. But he is a capable quarterback, and do you know what? Actually, this sort of comes back to what was going on in the San Francisco game. Ryan Griffin is a capable quarterback. He's not spectacular, but he's not horrible. I honestly believe that if he had any NFL experience, if Blaine Gabbert was on the sideline, who does have the NFL experience, I think that James Winston at some point against the 49ers would have been sat down and the coaches would have been talking to him to find out what was going so spectacularly wrong. But... The situation seems that Bruce Arians or Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, don't quite trust Ryan Griffin, and he's only going to come into a game if genuinely a catastrophic injury happens to Jameis Winston and there's nobody else on that sideline. I actually think that they'd go wildcat before throwing him into a game. (laughs) (laughs) When in doubt, go wildcat. Well said, man. Well... This had to this had to be one of the, my favorite podcasts right here, man. It's, it's it's nice to have somebody who understands their team um, that's going to uh, step on the field to play with us and explain and express their their ideas and feelings on the on the squad, man. Appreciate it, James. Oh no, it's been an absolute pleasure um, being here with you guys. And you know what? You might be Panthers fans, I, and as I say, you know what? Everyone's got to have their cross to bear, and. I, I, <laughs> You know what? I'm, I'm a God-fearing man. Uh, I'll for, like forgiveness is a must, and I'll forgive you your sins there, being right. Panthers fans. But you've definitely got yourselves a, a new regular listening. I'll be I'll be tuning into the show for sure, listening to you guys. Outstanding, man! Much respect, James. Appreciate it, man. No doubt. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. And you know, all the guys you've got here, I love the setup you've got. I love the show. Wow. So it's been great being here. Right on, bro. Well, keep pounding, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Outstanding. Uh, I think they, I think they fire the cannons. Ain't that right, James? Don't y'all fire oh, the cannons? <laughs> oh yes. And you know what? If anyone's ever lucky enough to be in Raymond James Stadium, or actually unlucky enough to be in that end zone when it's like a touchdown and they fire those, oh, cannons, those cannons, oof. It's get. Do you know what? You can always tell someone who's attending their first game and they're not expecting it because those <laughs> cannons are loud and you see people jumping out of their jerseys. <laughs> Hey, quick story. That happened to me when I went down there in 2017. I was like three sections over, like Mm. between the sideline and and the goalposts, like maybe like two sections from from that ship. And yeah, I jumped out of my skin, my DNA. Uh, I think I left a pair of drawers down there. Man, I I, wow, that I, I just was not ready. Boom. Fire the cannons. Yeah, man, something, dude. It's something. Respect. Well, all right, guys. Um, anybody have any closing remarks? Anybody else have anything to uh, put out there? Uh, if I can just give a, a shameless plug. Um, you know, guys, and I know obviously this is going out to Carolina Panthers fans. Um, there may be some Buccaneers fans, so big shout-out to you listening. If you do want to check out, if you're interested in – in receiving some real, up-to-date, honest, unbiased news about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, I know people like to keep up-to-date with one of their divisional rivals. Definitely check out Books Life News. Uh, we're on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on, uh, on obviously, we are on the World Wide Web, where our, our main base is. I do game day shows, halftime shows, post-game shows, and I also do... Uh, my own weekly wrap-up show. So anyone who's hanging around the Books Life news area, if you're about on Monday evenings at 8 o'clock, you can watch the Brit Book Invasion and come along and say hi, and I will give you a shout-out. Nice, nice. Um, and, yeah, um, I already got an Instagram post up of this uh, of this recording, um, so, so you know, I did tag, tag you guys in that post. Um, so, you know, folks, folks Much appreciate for that, no doubt. Um, and of course we'll, um, we'll have you guys, um, in the description on the, uh, on the podcast too, man. Mm-hmm. No, Much no, appreciated. No. Um, so, um, 
Will, you got anything to say, Larry? No, I'm straight, man. It was a pleasure having you on. Pleasure meeting you, Larry. You take care. Right on. Right on. Now, I believe we lost Monty, but that's all right. <laughs> he gave us two cents and bounced, man. <laughs> Monty loses Monty, but I'm going to leave that alone for another day. <laughs> all right, man. Well, on behalf of the four-man rush and apparently the Bucks Life News, um, we'd like to thank you guys for listening and stopping by to, uh, to, for the four-man rush podcast. I'm your host, Timmy VO. And uh, you guys make sure to uh, hand on over and uh, check out the, uh, the, the the game on Thursday night. Um, you should be listening to this podcast way before then, dadgummit. <laughs> and if you're not, well, enjoy it afterwards and uh, you can check our stats and facts and, and see if it panned out. That's how it goes. Again, thank you so much. Um, no matter if you're listening to this podcast in the morning, the afternoon, or evening, I hope you're having a wonderful day. Stay safe. And as always, keep pounding. She love it. We out in public and we can chill with my partners and we can go back to my crib and chill out the covers and do we call me and you love The Foreman Rush is brought to you by the love and respect of and for the Carolina Panthers and Carolina Panther fans everywhere. Keep pounding. The Four Men Rush is a non-affiliate of the Carolina Panther organization. All thoughts, assessments, and content of this podcast is directly related to the Four Men Rush exclusively. Thank you.